Welcome to the Leaders in Learning Design podcast by Blue Consulting and Resource, the place to get up-to-the-minute information for cutting-edge learning design. So today we're going to be talking about the issue of content reuse. And as we think about content strategists and the role that they play within a learning organization, trying to figure out how to optimize those learning resources. We're going to dig in a little deeper and figure out how this applies to you as an instructional designer. John, you've already used a couple of phrases there, you know, the whole idea of content reuse content strategists you're going to have to explain a little bit about what you mean by this idea of content reuse you know we were talking about content curation but this is very specifically and a bit different isn't it it is content reuse is really a tactical component of content strategy and it's the place where you figure out how to use and develop a single piece of content in multiple places usually within your organization. Um, The larger the learning organization, the more uh, return on investment you're going to see, the more cost savings you're going to see with the reduced reduction in waste for content development. And you're going to find some really interesting levers to pull for improving your ability for consistent messaging across the enterprise. So give me some examples of that. Uh, I'm not not sure how that would look in practice, reusing something. In what kind of way, Joanne? So by its cleanest definition, content reuse is any learning object that is used as is in an unaltered original format that content is then used in a variety of ways in classes and study groups in um, different LMS courses. Um, it might be included as a part of a communications, um, a video, for example, a clip that's just a minute or two might be reused in a variety of different ways. When you're developing it in its original instance, you're almost planning for those different kinds of uses. So your original intent might be to use it in course A, but it could also be sent out as a part of a communications to uh, whet people's appetite to want to take the course. It might be sent out as a follow-up piece after the course is over to remind them of key learning points. It might be uh, something that could be leveraged in another course to remind them of fundamental concepts before they move on. It might be used in some other completely unanticipated way, but it's essentially used in its entirety. It's not broken into something more granular. Now, there are other versions of reuse. When you remix, um, you take parts of that original piece and you reuse it so maybe it's not a video maybe it's a lesson on a particular topic but I developed it for new hires and now it might be of use to folks on the floor well all of the new hire verbiage has got to come out and you use current as is language when you're rolling out to the floor. So you'd make some modifications in your instructions, you'd make modifications in the way that you refer to your team members perhaps, but they're 
you're remixing as you're reusing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes me think of a couple of things because what you're talking about maybe having to do um, with, with the, you talk about almost a customization. If it's used for one purpose for a new hire program, it may be used itself. It may be used in another place, but you would change some of the content around it. It's a bit back to that idea of wrappers, isn't it, that we talked about last week, where the object, the generic object, if I can call it that, sits as it was somewhere else, but you can put stuff around it that make it relevant to the different situations. So it's it's more than just cutting and pasting and lifting it and repurposing it, isn't it? It really is. And when you plan for reuse in the way that you develop, your instructions are separate from the actual activity or the interaction that you're building so that those instructions can be flipped out for a different use group. Um, it allows for really easy reuse. Yeah. historically folks have gotten a little overwhelmed they get super excited first oh we're going to reuse everything we're going to reduce our costs by half and they get really over enthusiastic and then they get overwhelmed because they didn't design that original learning piece to be broken apart and wrapped in a new way they couldn't imagine how else it might be used and they were just focused on their original creation and without those um, envisioning of how else it might be used, they embedded the instructions into the actual object itself. And now they can't break it apart and it's not as useful and they find themselves recreating things. So being aware of the concepts of it being potentially a reusable, well, can I use the phrase reusable learning object? Because we used to use that phrase a, a, a good while ago when we were talking about WBT, didn't we? That that was the, the kind of buzzword for a, a wee while, the idea that things would be reusable learning objects. But if you're going to have that kind of strategy, you design those things in such a way that anything that will be unique to a particular situation is excluded from the object itself, from the reusable piece. Is that right? Yes, and you need metadata tags to be able to find it in a large learning repository. Can I Google or can I search um, that item and get usable returns? Because if you don't, and I think we've seen examples of this, something that's been reused in, in, in a client, you effectively lose control of where it is, don't you? And if something needs to be changed knowing where it's gone to and where it's been reused, if you haven't got a way to, to track that and to keep keep on top of that, you're in a world of hurt because it, there's going to be inconsistencies out there. Yeah, Is that a risk? Oh, absolutely. And most of our listeners will be familiar with a learning management system where full courses live. But Perhaps you've heard the phrase, a content management system, used interchangeably, and they're not necessarily the same thing. So content management systems 
are intended to have a more granular archived version of those courses and you know where that learning object or pieces or lessons or even as granular as images where is this image used now in a content management system a true intelligent content management system it says this image that my organization purchased off of say Shutterstock is used in 15 different courses. So if you're able to track that single use of an image and say well we use it predominantly in this area of the business but we're actually finding some really other interesting uses for it or maybe that image is overused and we want to get rid of it or replace it with something that's more current that you're able to um, find all of those instances and make those changes in a really easy and relatively quick way. Most learning management systems are just a collection of courses that you search to say, you know, is this course here? Is it still fit for purpose? Yes, no. Is it going to be delivered again? I mean, those kinds of um, sort of low-level interactions at a course level, quite different than what we're talking about with content creation, reuse, remixing, redistributing, and retaining that content in a content management system. And if we go down this path and we, we adopt this kind of strategy, what, what's the obvious benefits from it? What, what, what's the big payback so the big payback is in the reduction in development time and the efficiencies and standardization of messaging within the organization so not too long ago um, i developed a quality course and we were teaching quality folks how to do their role that course was then repurposed um, and probably about 80 or 90% of it was then reused for a new hire uh, version of that quality course. What did it mean to be delivering quality materials within that environment? Um, it got a little bit of recognition because they had budgeted about 40 hours for that new content to be developed and it was essentially finished within a day. So we'd reduce the amount of development time and they began to get excited about the efficiencies. Wow, we developed so many courses. Instead of treating them all as separate entities, let's try and figure out where we are reusing that content. Well, then we created a similar version of that same course for the floor and then another version for a different role with similar quality requirements. And before I knew it, my original course, I touched three versions of it. Now there were 10. Well, they were very excited at those efficiencies until they had to make changes. So I can see the real benefits. And I think people would be genuinely enthusiastic for, the, for those obvious reasons. But does it not also go hand in hand with the risk of there being quite a lot of duplicated stuff out there and is it almost like a little bit repetitive or uh, is that not a possible downside to this whole idea of keep reusing something um it is a risk but it's quite minor 
because when you take the content and you um, have so much overlap by role, to develop completely separate versions of it, they already existed in duplication. And, you know, a, a manager in one silo of the organization had a very similar PowerPoint that they were using in another silo of the organization. So the duplication already existed when it filters through into instructional developers and they're putting together those courses for the LMS, especially within the last 18 months where we just everything's gone online. The duplications are becoming more visible. So I suppose when you think about it, because it's different learner populations that it's being reused for, it isn't duplication in the sense that it's being reused with the same audience. It's the different audience that means that it's not repetitive and not duplication. It's it's about efficiency. Is that right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Now, you mentioned that phrase learning strategist earlier, and I've got to be really honest. I haven't met an awful lot of those. I mean, I, I know the term, but tell us a little bit about that role and, and how that role or how important that role could be in, in this kind of situation. Sure. So Anne Rockley, the author of Managing Enterprise Content, kind of built on the work that uh, David Wiley started when he was looking at the open education movement. He took what we were doing in education and said, we've got to be more efficient. And Anne said, well, how do we figure out how to do this in uh, business? And intelligent content is content that's structurally rich, semantically categorized, and therefore automatically discoverable, reusable, reconfigurable, and adaptable. And we kind of struggled as content management folks saying, well, what does that mean? Where's the strategy part that's going to be a small lever that gives us that really big lift? And they're driving towards return on investment for the learning organization itself. And when you can reuse, reconfigure and adapt your own internal content, then you have really significant lift. Now, the problem came was that we didn't have large content repositories inside any organization, unless you were moving into, say, government or Department of Defense, where you had enough content that it made sense. Now, fast forward 10 years from Anne's work, and now we have things like LinkedIn Learning. And the soft skill content that's in LinkedIn Learning is actually quite good. Some of it's phenomenal. And there's no reason that instructional designers should be creating exhaustive courses, doing all that research, creating new ways to, to say those same concepts. Um, some of them are by experts in their field. Uh, poor instructional designer isn't going to come up with a better way of saying it. But they can reuse that content, especially if it's wrapped inside their organizational context. So if an organization had a LinkedIn learning license enterprise-wide, they have those internal links and you would put that link inside your course. 
So you'd create context for this role and then you'd create maybe some activities that were customized. And I've even seen it used where they say, oh gosh, this course on time management, for example, is fabulous, but you don't have six hours to spend on time management. Go to lesson one and do three, four and five of from the modules there and then go to lesson six and do eight, nine and 10 or whatever that might be, because that's what applies to your role. And I can wrap that in my context and push it out. And here's 30 minutes of training on time management, role specific, organizational specific. And all I had to do was create context. Because I think we get a bit nervous if we think we've got to um, just use off-the-shelf material. That's interesting because the way that you talk about it, that's where content reuse and content curation come together. But I think the real thing for the instructional designer here is that this, in terms of content reuse, can include things that they themselves are going to design and design consciously with the intent that they can be reused and being aware of that that drives the way that you create something that's potentially reusable you're leaving all of that context to be in what we call the wrapper i think that's a really interesting idea and i'm sure a lot of people as instructional designers will be seeing the benefit and the the opportunity of efficiency, just being able to create a learning object one time and through wrappers reuse it in multitude of different places, uh, but to make that a really effective and efficient kind of way to go about it. I, I like that idea, John. I think it's really powerful. And um, I think we've been cautious to go in that direction because it felt a bit like plagiarism. It's like, am I stealing this? Am I doing something I'm not quite supposed to? Uh, and we're not advocating for that at all. And when you use the concept of wrapper and linking out to content that already exists, it actually helps you in lots of ways. It keeps that content current. So if the original piece is updated, your wrapper still stays intact and is leveraging those updated materials as well. So think about expanding what you think of when you think of reuse. We're so good at recycling today when it comes to our glass and paper products. We need to broaden our concept of what it means to reuse content. As instructional designers, we have to get more effective and efficient in that process because not everything requires completely new creation. We've just got to flex in this new space. I, I love how you link that back to recycling. That's a really nice connection to make. So how would people find out even more about this, Joanne? Well, we're going to be doing a series of uh, blogs and we're going to continue this conversation in the podcast. So shoot us your questions. We'll put our emails uh, in the transcript and we'll pop them in the the description of this podcast. Send us your questions about content reuse and we'll dig in and add our expertise because we want you to have the resources that you need. 
Folks, you've been listening to the Leaders in Learning Design podcast by Blue Consulting and Resourcing, a weekly podcast for cutting-edge learning design.